from west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of Connecting with Walt. I am your host and Diz historian, Michael Bowling. I am joined by my co-host, producer, and good friend, Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Michael? I'm doing well. Um, hopefully, by the by the time this airs, you and I have had a wonderful time uh, having dinner with our, together with our wives yeah. at Walt Disney World. We've celebrated Independence Day, and uh, just we've just had a grand old time. Absolutely. Uh, for people who listened to last week's episode, as you know, uh, we. We've had to pre-record this episode in advance because it's my turn to be on vacation. So this is a bit of a bonus edition. Uh, as a result, we were originally not going to have an episode this week because I was traveling. But as I mentioned before, we there were so many questions that you uh, sent in for our quarterly you know, Q&A episode that we decided to have two episodes and uh so as a result of that though we uh, we will not have our this week in disney history quiz because this is a bit of a bonus episode even though it it will be a full-length episode um so and and more on that in, in a bit i know craig you updated folks last week on our this week in disney history quiz listener contest so uh we're looking forward to seeing which one of you out there uh, you know was selected and yeah. going to be challenging craig. Oh, it, at this point uh from when this releases we're going to be recording in a couple of days so hope yeah. you're ready <laughs> yeah yeah so so what we're going to do now is the category that we did not do last week was the theme park category so that is what we are going to focus on and if we um if we if we decide to jump into one of the other categories we will but we have a lot of questions um from this oh here, yeah so i'm just getting there <laughs> So, um, so anyway, so should I, uh, do you want me to start first this time, Craig? Yeah, I'm going to have you kick it off. Okay. All right. Let's see. I, I, you know, I think I'm just going to start out with the, um, first one here. Uh, Julie asked, what is your favorite Walt Disney World park and, or what's your favorite to least favorite lands in the Magic Kingdom? Oh, um... See, this is just a loaded question. I know you have uh, a dedicated answer with it, so um, I I could answer yours for you, but (laughs) mine's a lot more difficult Um, because it it really does just depend on on the week for me. Um, It's, you know, obviously, obviously I love the Magic Kingdom. That's, That's my ultimate kind of go-to uh the only issue with that is the whole having to go through the complication uh 
as a local of getting to the park itself um what what could be a a nice easy like 10 15 minute ride and then just walk in in five minutes like all the other parks for me uh turns into a, a 45 minute to an hour ordeal with the magic kingdom and you know that that takes away from a lot of the joy in it but um so without saying magic kingdom for me I'm probably going to blow people's minds on this one and say that my my favorite park that I like going to right now is actually Hollywood Studios. And, yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Um, it's it's Star Wars, isn't it? it it's <laughs> not just I do love Star Tours. Uh, I think it's a great attraction, but uh, one of my ultimate favorite attractions at in Walt Disney World is Tower of Terror. And I just I, I love it walking in there and seeing it. Uh, and going on it just it just brings me so much joy still to this day, especially as much as I hated it as a kid, uh, not liking drops and going up and down. Um, it's amazing now how much I have an appreciation for it. And, you know, I still appreciate a good rock and roller coaster, Toy Story Mania every now and then. But uh, I, I love being able to still go and just sit and enjoy sit enjoy uh the muppet vision 3d and um i there's just i i know it's not considered a complete park to many especially those who don't like going to shows uh they don't see a lot of the value in it and i i get that aspect but um it's i, I just it's there's so there's so much there that appeals to me i still love Hollywood Brown Derby, um, one of my mm-hmm. favorite places to eat, and you know, you and I even shared a meal there a couple years ago, and mm-hmm. just wonderful. And that one's always stuck with me. And I love going to Baseline Tap House and getting a beer. And you know, I, I know in the future I'm gonna love, I'm gonna love Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And uh, as of this release, Toy Story Land is officially open, but I still haven't stepped in. Uh, from the time we're recording, so I can't comment on that. But uh, I, I, I've been kind of championing it for a while uh, that there's more to Hollywood Studios than people give it credit for. Yes, losing losing great movie ride was was a big, big, big bad part of it. But um, there's for me there's there's still there's still a lot of good in it and. Um, I'm not. I'm not gonna. The second part of it. I know. I said. What's the fee, favorite to least favorite? I'm not gonna go ahead and rank all of them. I will just give my my favorite and my least favorite in Magic Kingdom. And as of this current moment, because it does shift, I would say my favorite is Frontierland, and my least favorite is Tomorrowland. Okay. Okay, good. Uh, my favorite Walt Disney World Park, I think everyone knows, it's Animal Kingdom. I just, I love Animal Kingdom. The the peacefulness and contentment that people have when they walk down, like, Disneyland's Main Street USA or the Magic Kingdoms is what I experience. I experience that at Disneyland. I, experience, I have that same feeling when I go into Animal Kingdom. I, I just think it's so beautiful. I, uh, the detail that went into that by the Imagineers, the lushness of it, um, the the animals. I, I like everything about that park. I, you know, e- even Avatar Land of Pandora, uh, I enjoy. Uh, I, you know, I, st- I still have a hard time with it 
being in Animal Kingdom, but I enjoy it. I, th- I think they executed it well. And um, yeah, I, I just love that park. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I, I don't know what else they're going to do to it. I hope that they still stay true to the core of what that park's about and don't get too far off. But, um, you know, because for me, it's all about the animals and yeah. the environment and all that. And I, I, I don't want them to stray too much from that. But I love that park. I, I agree. And, so um, I, I think I would value it more uh, if it just, if, even now, as a last minute planner, as a local, it is so difficult to go there anymore and pick up a same day fast pass for Expedition mm-hmm. Everest or or um, or the safaris, you know, unless it's like really late at night, which a lot of times that doesn't work with my schedule. I, I have more success pulling last minute fast passes for flight of passage than I do some of the other attractions around the hmm. park. So that's that's kind of taken away from it. Like I love the safaris, but I also I can't justify waiting an hour uh, yeah. <laughs> to go there. So um as much as I, I enjoy just going and doing like the nature walks, um it's it, Pandora has been a blessing and a curse on my enjoyment it, of of Animal Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, favorite to least favorite lands in Magic Kingdom. Uh, mine are probably pretty close to yours. I, I think my favorite is Liberty Square. Uh, it, it's funny because my favorite at Disneyland is New Orleans Square. So it's the uh, it's the unique lands for each for Magic Kingdom and Disneyland that are my yeah. favorite. Again, I I like the feel of of Liberty Square. I like the history aspect of it. Well, with one exception, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I like I like the exterior, of the haunted mansion. I love Hall of Presidents. Um, I like the, the you know being on the water, and the vistas that are created there. So uh, you know, I, so I, I enjoy Liberty Square. Yeah. Least favorite again is probably Tomorrowland, and that's true in both parks. They, they've I don't know they've 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 lost. They just don't know what to do at Tomorrowland, and they're losing their. They, they'd sort of lost their vision for it. Yeah. It's, so. uh, I mean, on paper, Liberty Square, I've said it in a best and worst show. Liberty Square is, I think, overall the best. It doesn't mean it's my favorite, but I think it is the best on paper. Tomorrowland, it's just, it's that mishmash. You, yeah, Space Mountain is great, and in Carousel of Progress is still just a joy to watch, and uh, the People Mover is always fun and relaxing, but I, I really don't care for Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin. And yeah, neither do I. I dislike Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor mm-hmm. every time I do it, and, and while Speedway isn't for me, um again it's just it I enjoy the fumes from it uh and I enjoy the kids <laughs> have the ability to ride but if it was more unique like Disneyland's Autopia that's a different story but it's mm-hmm. not but it's Tomorrowland's just a it like you said it's a mishmash it's a mess it's it's Tomorrowland <laughs> yeah and you know the rumors that are just starting about what m- might be coming it, it sounds like it's getting more it's going to be the land of Pixar yeah rather than Tomorrowland it'll be Pixar land so um, and I think that's too bad yeah so. 
Okay, so my time to pick a question, and it's one that we've kind of talked about before in the past, but and always fun to bring it up and think about it. But Justin asks, what part of the U.S. do you think we need another Disneyland or Disney World, or do we need another? Mm-hmm. There's actually, there were, I, I think I grouped them all together. There is a whole lot of questions on this theme. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's like five of them or so here. Yeah, because we have it from uh, Dawn as well, too, not considering cost, land availability, all that. Uh, Adam threw it in there, too. So it's it's all of you, but I think Justin's is probably the most... To the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Patricia, Patricia asked as well. Yeah, and um, Jake. Well, no, not Jake. He's a little different. I, I think that we do need another Walt Disney World, Disneyland kind of thing in the United States. Uh, Disneyland really doesn't have any more room for expansion. Um, Walt Disney World is. Um, they need more theme parks. I mean, they keep building hotels, but I think we're getting to the point with all of the theme parks in North America that I think guest comfort is starting to become an issue where, you know, the the lines, uh, you know, are are people getting a a good value for, you know, when they're only going on four or five attractions in a day, maybe. Yeah, Um, and it it is well known that even if the Walt Disney World Resort hotels are at full capacity, then that still doesn't bring any of the theme parks, like all of the theme parks together, that still wouldn't bring them to capacity. So that's why they still are building more hotels. But at the same time, it's it's more people than just those staying at the hotels who are coming exactly. to the parks. Exactly. And uh, so I would like them this to somewhere in the United States, I would like them to build a full resort. I really on the... but. It has to be on the level of like Tokyo Disneyland, Disney Sea at minimum, and, and I think it needs to be in the center of the United States somewhere. Uh, there would have to be. It would, I think one of the things is that there would have to be a castle park, um, and and you know and include, but but have it be different. Don't just build Cinderella Castle or Sleeping Beauty Castle. We've got plenty of those you know around the world and don't do the mishma you know the oh all the princesses live here like in shanghai and now they're doing yeah. that in hong kong no make make an ariel's castle make make one for Belle. do something like that uh choose a princess and theme it to that and and include a few of the franchise attractions that we've come to expect in a disney park but with the latest technology and build new ones, build new ones that aren't anywhere, maybe. And um, I think the second, and then I think there needs to be another park, um, <clears throat> at least one more park, and then make that completely different from what's in North America. Yeah. Let the Imagineers go wild with this. I mean, there's certainly enough stuff they've blue skied over the years. And I also think, in addition to that, there has to be at least a water park. A, a themed water park of some sort, um, go, a couple of golf courses, probably a wedding pavilion, camping, several hotels. Put a DVC resort in there, 
Um, and then let Imagineers loose on creating a new Disney experience. And, you know, rather than just cloning everything. And it would need to be in an area with plenty of land, you know, which can be a challenge. And, and it has to be close to transportation, you know. Yeah. So, you know, so that, again, limits it. Although wherever they build it, transportation is going to find them. Exactly. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the time has come. They really need a third Disney resort somewhere. Yeah, I I agree. Um, and I I thought about it many times before, sometimes out loud, sometimes on other shows. I think I would really like to see uh, uh, somewhere either in the the New York area, right around uh, Lake Erie, um, or the northern north. Uh, northwestern pennsylvania in that area as well too or the other place where i could see it working out really well um is uh somewhere in southern ohio um you know or or even northern kentucky so it's especially when you start to get to like southern ohio uh you're talking you're talking hot summers you know 90 degree days um and but not the terrible humidity that you deal with in in florida but then a a nice mild winter where you might see snow every now and then so kind of in that same uh, disneyland paris mindset that it could happen that doesn't mean it necessarily will but it could um but it's not also abnormal to just see temperatures in in the 40s and 50s uh, for the most part, so I, I feel like I feel like that could be a good area, and I I feel like Ohio has placed um, they they've kind of built out their place in terms of having amusement parks with with Cedar Point basically being the the roller coaster capital of the world, and and um, and then Kings Island. Uh, on the other side of the state being a, a staple for many, many years and featured in the Brady Bunch. Um, it's <laughs> it's just they, they've already had such a, an important place with uh, amusement parks that I feel like having Disney in there too would, would be another uh, big monumental part of it. But I would also, as much as I dislike the state of Michigan, um, I would I would love to see what they could do with a more northern park where it is um, just a complete different environment, harsher winters, uh, also a lot of beautiful landscapes that that could really just build a park out in the middle of nowhere in the country. Um, they, there could be a lot done there. So I, I'm with you in it. I, I, I would like to see it definitely in either kind of east to midwest, but more on the northern side of things. I'm, I'm one of those people... I don't want to see one in Texas. I just that I know it would appeal to a lot of people, but for me, that's just something that I I couldn't see myself ever wanting to get excited about. I I loved going to Dallas. I really want to go to Austin one day. I want to go to Houston. There's many places in Texas I want to go to, but to see a Disney park there, it's just in my mind, it's not something that that seems ideal for me. Oh, they could have a whole Davy Crockett area of the park. They could. There. But um, I, the only problem with having it in the northern part of the United States is the snow. And that's why Walt didn't build up there was because it, it would cause the park to have to close. 
and uh, and um, it would not be financially feasible. I know he felt so. Um, that that's the only drawback. And yeah. personally, I don't know if I want to go to a theme park in the snow. I did it once at Tokyo Disneyland. That was um, that was fine. <laughs> I well, I'm weird. I like getting bundled up and being outside when it's cold. Mm. So no, that's, that's yeah, just I, I am not. I am not a cold weather person. Even though it gets cold where we live, I'm fine with it. But I don't necessarily want a vacation in it. So, alrighty, sounds good. Okay, so. It is your turn. Is it? Okay, let's skip through all the similar ones. Um, let's see. Well, here's one because I think you can comment on this. This is from Olivia. How do you think Disney should educate and train its cast members about Walt's legacy? When I worked at the Magic Kingdom, I was a little saddened at my coworkers' lack of Disney pride and knowledge. Um, see, the, the problem stems from for me the problem stems with it's not an educate and train thing it's I know I have heard stories of people who went through their traditions and their training with a little bit of interest in Disney uh, and came out the other side completely emphatic about Disney uh, but that's that's few and far between so um, it I don't think there is a way. I don't. I don't think there is a way that Disney should educate and train its cast members about Walt's legacy. I think. I think the whole goal should be on. Um, should be on finding people who do have that passion for it up front, um, and I'm in the jobs. The jobs will will fill themselves in that sense. I know. I know Walt Disney World has a lot of jobs to fill when it comes to that but um you know it's it's about weeding weeding out the people who truly care so and any company you know should be when they're hiring it it really should be a balance between people who are right for the job and people who who are passionate about it too and it can't it it shouldn't sway any which one way or another too much you know you can't have someone who's who's perfect on paper but then doesn't care a single lick about walt disney world they're not going to last um uh, same thing goes for the opposite they can have all the passion about walt disney and the parks and they can love coming but if they're not cut out to be dealing with frontline operations or the intensity and the the commitment that it takes to keep up in back of house operations then it's just not going to work so i think it just it really is it, with with walt's legacy it's something that i i just you have to have going into it so i don't think disney should educate and train on it they should they should put out a better net on trying to find the people who, who already have that Disney pride and knowledge. And that's that's something I've felt like for a long time. You know, it's... I, I Some of my closest friends, uh, people that I lived with when I was on the college program, you know, they... Uh, some of them loved Disney and some were just there for something to do and, and to help boost their resume a little bit. And that didn't mean that they were bad cast members, uh, but in that I there's instances where I saw them 
at times even be a better cast member than I think I was. And I don't like to toot my own horn, but despite being let go for other reasons, I, you know, anytime I had the chance to make magic moments happen or, or take pride in my work, I, I went above and beyond and tried to do so. And, and I had friends that didn't really care about Disney who, who would do the same thing. So it, it's just the the balance has to be found and it seems like not just at, at Disney even at Universal I know it's a different a different topic on with that because that's more about being being passionate about the brand and not the legacy um, but when when they started hiring just just people to fill spots instead of people passionate about the brand it started showing over there too so um it's uh, regardless it all comes back to you you can't you can't teach people to care mm-hmm. it's but but you can find people who care it might take a little work and a little bit of extra effort but i think ultimately it's it's worth it and that's just mm-hmm. my opinion no, I agree. I do think, though, that they can educate them about about Walt. They should definitely know who their founder is, yeah. and um, you know the founder of the company and and what his legacy is. Yeah. They should definitely know that. But you're right. There's there there has to be some intrinsic understanding, value, commitment, passion already there. Yeah, it's, um, it's a very it's a very big difference between knowing and caring. Mm-hmm. And they can exactly. they can teach people left and right all they want to. That doesn't mean they'll care. I know. Oh, I agree. And I, I mean, but I have been appalled sometimes by the lack of knowledge that people who are in positions where they're supposed to have knowledge about Walt and the company and they don't. I there was one tour I took a few years ago at Epcot. I don't know if it was Hidden Epcot, whatever it was called. And the, the stuff this woman was saying, I was shocked. And the, the, she was saying how uh, Iwerks was the one responsible for for Walt um, losing Oswald. And, and I mean, it just went on and on and on. And she was so proud of this tour because she was the one who wrote it and, and all this stuff. And I thought, how, how did you get this far up in the company when you don't you don't know who your founder is. So when I I didn't say anything to her during the tour, and um, and then uh, I tried to talk to her afterwards, and I I said, you know, these are things. I started going through stuff that was not correct, and she said, well, this is what this is what I was told, and I thought, well, you just told me you wrote the thing. <laughs> and, I mean, you told everybody, and and then I realized there was no talking to her. So, um, and I've come across that a few times where you know they definitely need to learn a- about the f- their founder yeah and 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 some basic facts and things so anyway all right okay that's a good one yeah i'm going to uh i'm gonna pick another one that's right up your alley especially mm-hmm. and it's it, we kind of got two two questions that were somewhat similar about this but they come from warren and jeff um, Warren said Disney spends a lot of time and effort on getting the floor of their parks right. They do this with both real and fake plants. Where do you think they've done their best work? Where could they have done better? Uh, Jeff also said being in the landscape industry, appreciate the 
effort made by Disney for immersive landscaping as part of theming. If you were able to pick your favorite and least favorite landscapes in Walt Disney World, what would they be and why? So Okay. Alrighty, let's see. Well, I'll, I'll sort of do all of this here. Yeah. For the, some of the, I agree. Uh, sometimes I'll just go around and I, I'm taking photos of their flower beds and their plants and their groupings. You know, um, their 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 pots, flower pots. You know, and things like that. Just mainly for ideas and things. I know my wife used to joke. You know, when our children were little, and they turn around and they go, uh, "Where's dad?" And then Carol would say, oh, he's probably taking photos of flowers. <laughs> and then they would have to backtrack. And sure enough, you know, there I was. And for so some of the best work that they've done, I think, for, for Warren's question, I think Disneyland, some, a couple of best places, the Jungle Cruise. Because, I mean, basically, it's a desert there and um, a very temperate climate zone and just the fact that Bill Evans could get things growing to make it look like a jungle uh, you know in the beginning to the point that it's now created its own environment to where they can grow tropical plants and things there um I think that's spectacular. And then, and the Haunted Mansion, they used to have a wonderful tour. It was a horticultural tour. It did not last long. It was fascinating. And unfortunately, I lost my notes um, to it. But one of the things they went through was, was, you know, how plants are selected and why throughout the park. And when we got to the Haunted Mansion, it was fascinating from the, the, the colors of the plants and and the the emotion that they were supposed to depict whether it was um foreboding or awe or whatever it might be to the um you know to the and this is down to the leaves and all that to how the different trees were and how they um how the branches grew because again it would give you an uncomfortable feeling and all that or how some plants they were blood red you know and again for you know to complement what was going on inside the mansion all this it was amazing and so that they put that much thought into virtually every single thing they planted in front and around that mansion um it, it, it boggled my mind. Um, what could be better? I think Disney's California Adventure. I, I just don't think of that as a very um, highly landscaped park. Uh, especially that whole swath where you're walking towards, um, well, now it's Pixar Pier. And there's practically nothing. I, I hate that one walk where you and you yeah. go along. It's where... Yeah. Uh, you know it, where Ariel's, you know, Voyage of the Little Mermaid is, and all of that. It that's just uh, concrete city there, and um, also Hong Kong Disneyland. Some of the resorts we we laughed about their landscaping. It was like, what were they thinking? I mean, you know, there'd be a plant here, a plant there, and and all that, and um, they could do better there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I completely agree with you on the Jungle Cruise, though. That's uh, Disneyland's Jungle Cruise, that is. That sticks out to me is, uh, in my opinion, their best work. And especially uh, my favorite spot, like many others, is at the exit of Indiana Jones Adventure. Being able to stand and feel like you're in the jungle there and then also see the Jungle Cruise out in front of you. It's a, It's a very... 
it's a very special area. It's just done really well. And um, where I think they could have done better for sure is, uh, well, it used to be better, and it's it's, uh, just digressed over time and gotten worse, but uh, my home park, Magic Kingdom, it just... The more trees that have been taken away in there just it just bums me out more and more. Uh, the hub is just you know while the sitting areas are nice with the fake grass and and such. Um, I just I miss I miss trees in this mm-hmm. area. I miss I miss the horticulture in there. It it had such a big impact and even with the landscaping having. Uh, having the waterways that were eventually leveled off uh, for the extra seating areas and stuff that just that that was a big loss it's not it's not that it's not beautiful now it's just it it has gone down it's gone away from what it was and um it's that to me is a big thing so you know even though places like hollywood studios and epcot aren't nearly uh is, is taken care of in terms of having trees and plant life around with the exception of Epcot during uh, Flower and Garden. That's that's the asterisk on it. Then it's mm-hmm. it's plenty of enough, but during the regular part of the year, no, not so much. But I, I can kind of give those passes because they, they were never overly done with it. So it's not... Uh, I would like to see more, but... I can do without it, but Magic Kingdom's one for sure that watching it get more concrete over time has been a disappointment for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now for Jeff's question, uh, you know, if we pick a favorite, least favorite landscape, so Walt Disney World, what would they be and why? So for mine, and I guess you mentioned yours, uh, but for mine, Animal Kingdom, I already, I talked about that on last week's show. Uh, it's just amazing. It is so lush and so beautiful. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just love it. I, I just love walking around it. And um, my least, like you said, um, <clears throat> I think um, Epcot's Future World it's you know they're they're doing better i mean they're getting in more planters and things like that but uh, i don't know why in you know it's the same thing it's like tomorrow the both tomorrowlands and all that why is the future devoid of plant life as it's depicted i don't know but um they need to do better you know well, yeah, in but- all of these even the contemporary resort you know there's there's not a not a lot of landscaping there yeah with mm-hmm. with Tomorrowland, isn't it isn't it a fact though that in Disneyland's all the plants that are there are edible? Or they just, are. Just make that up. Okay. No, no, it's true. Yeah, that was the the latest redo that they did. Yeah. See, at least that's something. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you should eat anything in in Florida's Tomorrowland. Yeah. Well, the, the, they're they're edible plants, but no, they should not be eaten at disneyland because you know they're sprayed and you know stuff like that you know it's (laughs) we're used to the chemicals by now right (laughs) yeah okay oh it's my turn now Uh, yes see (laughs) i'm going through here because now some oh Here's one from Ashley. Which attraction closures, updates, and or attraction removals from the parks do you feel was the most short-sighted? Uh, she writes, Journey into Imagination is an obvious choice. That is an obvious choice. Um, 
I I will try to keep as organized with this as possible because some of them are some of them are just gonna be like brief mentions like one thing that it wasn't necessarily short-sighted at the time um but it, it still pains me to know that body war or sorry not body wars cranium command is essentially still just sitting in place mm-hmm. um and it's it, granted the the actors that were used in it a lot of the snl uh, cast members of the early 90s they are not as relevant as they were back then but even this space like people are talking about wanting something inside out at at epcot or walt disney world in general um it's i feel like with the theater still there with a little bit of uh tweaks and adjustments it can immediately be repurposed into inside out and um but then you have to do something with the entire pavilion as a whole which we know is going to happen but uh that's that's like one thing that that sticks out to me now it 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 wasn't short-sighted at the time, but now the lack of doing anything with it kind of feels a little bit short-sighted. Um, I'm still in the boat. We've talked about it before on this and other other shows. I am a I was a huge fan of Alien Encounter, so mm-hmm. its closure just really really hit hard and has never really really left. I I miss it dearly, and if I could have that back that would that would be just huge um uh you know i i mr toad here is another one too it's obviously there was a bottle battle not a bottle a battle fought over that one uh that was completely lost but uh, it's that that one obviously came down to to merchandising and the love of winnie the pooh so that's i mean i don't even know if you could argue that that was short-sighted uh that was there was a lot of sight put into that with uh money signs um but yeah i think i think overall the the big one for me would still definitely be um would be alien encounter closing <laughs> for for stitch's great escape that just uh it just it didn't it didn't feel right then and it still doesn't feel right today yeah yeah i i agree the wonders of life pavilion i i if you know i know they lost their sponsors so they sort of lost interest in the pavilion and allowed it to languish but um yeah yeah it, it's unfortunate that they, they, they could have done so much with that over time yeah and so, i mean body um, wars and, was not good i don't I don't like when people defend it. It was not a good ride. Uh. <laughs> I, I don't have I don't have negative memories of it, but um, I I yeah. never enjoyed it. I thought I mean when you had Star Tours just right across the way over at Hollywood mm-hmm. Studios MGM at the time, it's uh, Body Wars just felt like a like a mall simulator compared uh, to it for me. Oh, at least see, as a kid. I I I wrote it before Star Tours you know ever opened ah. i think so over there over there but now for me on the disneyland side i think closing disneyland's people mover was a big mistake uh, there, there was a lot of things just the whole re uh, cutting the budget for the reimagining of tomorrowland resulting in the 1998 to tomorrowland new tomorrowland really short-sighted because look at the state of tomorrowland now um not replacing america sings with another attraction 
uh, which again was part of the um, cost cutting there. Um, you know, so it, it's just a mess over there, and the uh, and then the closures of a lot of family oriented things at Disneyland's downtown Disney, like the Rainforest Cafe, uh, which a lot of people don't like, but you know, children like it, families like it. Our granddaughter loved that place. Um, yeah. Earl of Sandwich, Build a Bear. Uh, these were family things, and these were all wildly popular. Uh, again, f- for the new hotel in downtown Disney that I am not a fan of right now from everything I've seen of it. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Hopefully that's not going to be short-sighted, but th- th- I feel like they're getting more um, upscale in downtown Disney. And, you know, they still need some family-oriented places to eat and activities and things like that in downtown Disney. So um, hopefully they, they will remember that as they reimagine that whole area. Yeah, it's, it's sad that they probably won't, but you know what? There's always a home at Garden Walk. <laughs> yes, yes, there, that's true. I mean, there, there, there are, the rumor is, is that a Rainforest Cafe and Earl of Sandwich may find new homes once the restaurant, uh, once the hotel opens, yeah. Um, but you know, I don't know that that we heard that months ago. So who knows? You know, you know how things change as time progresses. Exactly. So. <laughs> okay, let me ask you a question, and this one is coming from Kate, and Kate asked, "What is a tour you would love to see offered at each of the parks?" Hmm. Well, definitely one is that horticultural tour. I would like to see that brought back at uh, to Disneyland. That was just such a fascinating tour. It was very different, and uh, I just really enjoyed it, just a whole yeah. lot. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So that's what I'd like at Disneyland. So, um, I well, mine is one that. It's. I know it will never happen, um, but it would be amazing if it could. But one of the perks of being a cast member, especially if you work in attractions and uh, and you're uh, very lucky enough to be with a very good team in it, is you may have the chance every now and then to do uh, walkthroughs of different attractions mm-hmm. with the lights on. And, you know, there, there have been, uh, like when Great Movie Ride closed, uh, there is websites out there who were doing walkthroughs of it. I believe uh, D23 did an event that included it as well. So, and every now and then, uh, uh, Tables in Wonderland would do a dinner in there with that as well, too. But uh, cast members are given the opportunity to, to walk through the haunted mansion and get up close to the animatronics and take pictures with them and uh same thing in uh, spaceship earth they're able to to get up close to all the all of the animatronics in there as well too the ones that are on the side with the stairs that is and um and uh you know even even beyond that there's other experiences that sometimes the cast members get to do uh one that one that i got to partake in i'm still i still kick myself because i slept through 
my haunted mansion walkthrough uh with the lights on and i will never forgive myself for that but uh i missed out or well i did i missed out on that but i did get to do rock and roller coaster with the lights on and uh one of the the scariest parts of it is uh, the control operators timed out the trains so we'd be sitting on the third brake block and we'd be able to watch a train being uh, launched in and go through the first couple loops and mm-hmm. such and that was I mean you know you know you're completely safe it's controlled by the the most high-tech computers but still getting to sit inside rock and roller coaster strapped into your vehicle watching a train being shot in there at the speeds that it is and start going through those loops it's just really cool so uh the tours that i would love to see offered uh you know maybe it's through d23 every now and then very very limited groups and very hard to get but some of these experiences that you you can only get as cast members going on uh, lights on versions uh, going through lights on versions of the attractions whether it's walking them or riding in them uh, but every now and then just seeing seeing something special like that pop up because i i know it's you know it, it is a great perk of being being a cast member um it's it's definitely a way to show appreciation is by giving them experiences that they don't get anywhere else but but at the same time, too, it's 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 just one of those things when you get the chance to do them. Uh, it's it's very, very cool and very memorable. And it's it's one of those things that I take away in my short time of working at Disney. I'll never forget uh, sitting on Rock and Roller Coaster and watching it like that. And I'll never forget about the experiences that I had as a cast member or as a team member at Universal getting to to walk some attractions in in places that you don't normally get to so uh, that's that's what i would say in Mm -hmm. terms of that yo walt disney world is much better about allowing guests back in backstage areas than disneyland because i've been on a number of tours at walt disney world where you can go um Backstage, yeah, and uh, Disneyland. It's really only um, Adventures by Disney yeah. tours yeah. that that allow that. They're very protective. One, two, but what what I'm disappointed with Animal Kingdom is they don't have more tours that take you to see you know about like the animal care and things like that. I I would be interested in that. When what's that 8-hour tour that they do at Walt Disney World? I can't think of it. Um the name of it because I did it. And uh, you know, you go to each of the parks and it's a fantastic tour. Is that tour. one Keys to the Kingdom? It maybe or is it I thought it was like Backstage or Magic or something. It could be I Backstage Magic. I there's I it's I don't do I, the tours very no. often if ever, so I don't know their names off no. top of my head. Well, this is an eight-hour one, and I and and you see some fantastic stuff. You do go, you do go behind the scenes at Haunted Mansion and American Adventure, and and I mean it's amazing. And I was all excited going to Animal Kingdom. We're supposed to see behind the scenes. It was basically the bathroom stop. The what they considered behind the scenes was, you know, talking to the 
tour guides, you know the you know how they have the tours where you can go out and you trek around. Yeah. You go on the it, how they um prepare for those tours like, well we order lunch for the guests and make sure it's all here and we we have all the equipment laid out. I I'm, I'm standing there thinking, are you kidding me? <laughs> this is backstage and uh, for it and it was so disappointing i thought oh, we're i thought we're going to see the animal enclosures we're going to see how you prepare their food we're going to do no no <laughs> nothing like that so that's the kind of tour i would like to see yeah at animal kingdom yeah. so okay. okay your turn let's see here um oh here we go why do we not see Roger Rabbit as a costume character at Disneyland anymore? He was very heavily featured in the sing-along video tape, Disneyland Fun. Uh, why is he gone but the cartoon spin attraction remains? Well, you probably can explain it to us as our movie movie critic. I, I would like to. Um, I mean, I I generally still don't understand completely because I you know I have seen Roger Rabbit come out there during Easter and um, other special occasions so to me I've always wondered why not just put him outside of the attraction you know at least seasonally so um, but do you know firsthand why he's gone? I think it was my understanding that because of the sort of the falling out between Spielberg and Michael Eisner, Disney at the time. And it's just that um, Spielberg, if I'm I'm remembering this off the top of my head, Spielberg was supposed to be able to have, um, he had creative control and all that on that character. And there was also a sharing of... um, you know, profits and things like that. There were. It was just a battle. It was just constant. Um, you know, Disney d- didn't own Roger Rabbit outright, and so when things fell apart between Spielberg's company and Disney, um, they just halted everything on Roger Rabbit. So when they got into that distribution agreement for a time, where they were going to distribute DreamWorks films. Yes. Um, They were hoping that meant, oh, good, now maybe Spielberg will be more open to working with Disney on Roger Rabbit. But that was all very short-lived. Yeah. um, I mean, there were some good good ones in there, like Bridge of Spies was mm -hmm. uh, Spielberg and distributed through there. But, you know, things like the BFG just didn't didn't really hit and latch. But I... See, that's where my problem is. I, I do I do know about the issues with them in that, but that's why it's always confused me that it's like, okay, well, is it a general? Maybe we won't, but we'll choose to bring them out at certain times. Like yeah. To me, that's where it doesn't make sense, where that's where I don't necessarily believe that as much. Maybe maybe they're not heavily invested in... Um, in like, I don't want to break the... the fourth wall here for all the kids out there and it will shatter their uh, shatter all their realities but maybe it just comes down to they don't have enough Roger Rabbit costumes and it's to have them made is just out of out of the question with that so that's why they only bring it out for special occasions could be 
it could be something as simple as that. Um, yeah. I, I know there's been times when we've had events happen out here in Walt Disney World, and they've wanted characters that have had to come straight from Disneyland just to have it uh, actually accomplished. So um, I'm not... It could be something as simple as that. Regardless, I think both you and I uh, really love uh, Roger Rabbit and oh, yeah. wish that his presence was bigger. And after after being at Fan Days in Disneyland Paris and, and having Eddie Valiant there, too, I wish that could be incorporated as well. Just mm-hmm. uh, that, that would be a hoot in Toontown. Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, he appears uh, at Fantasmic, at the end of Fantasmic and Design from time to time. He yeah. has his little ribbon that he's, um, waving. you know, <laughs> waving on, on the Mark Twain. So, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, we don't see very much of him. We'd, you, we, we used to see him at Easter sometimes. Yeah. That was the one time I met him in in Disneyland uh, was, was during Easter. Then I... Mm-hmm. I remember at least once or twice since then where he's popped up for for special events. I want to say he was at one of the 24-hour events as well, too. But, yeah, just just under underutilized. And while it, it probably does have a lot to do with, with the relationship there, I do have a feeling, and I hope if someone has that extra knowledge, they'll let us know. But I have a feeling it's not as simple as something dumb is. They just don't have a lot of costumes. <laughs> yeah, I, that's what it, it would. We we can't get the budget for one extra yeah. costume. It's too much. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Okay, so um, I'm gonna ask you this one from Casey. Do you think Walt's apartment should be open for public viewing on Main Street <laughs> in Disneyland? You know, due to its small size, I really don't think this is feasible. I I think, regrettably, it just ha- it needs to be limited to special tours like you know Walk and Walt's Footsteps or The Adventures by Disney Backstage Magic. Um, it, it's just it's something that should be special and treasured. And I think just given the number of guests, daily guests that would want to see this, I, I see the apartment, understandably. I just think that having that many people go through it, it would, it, the, there'd be damage yeah. to it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. I, I would love for it to be open to the public anytime you want to just go up there and see it. I wish it would be open, but uh, having done it, it's it's not easily accessible by any means. Um, it's it's definitely tight and narrow, and then once you're inside, it is it is small, and yeah. So it, at most, all they could let you do is walk into the doorway and get a look inside. Um, not like in the tours where you're you're able to kind of go back and see the bathroom and get a better feel for the interior but it's not big so uh they would have to limit how they do do it if they ever did it but i don't i it's i i still would love for people to get an idea for what's up there if they don't ever have the possibility of going up there so maybe it's something as simple as like i i I know this sounds really dumb but attaching like a periscope inside the firehouse so you can look into it and look up and see what it looks like inside the apartment 
<laughs> something like that. Just anything to give people an idea of what it looks like. Those that won't ever have a chance to get up there. So because it is, it is something special that a picture couldn't necessarily do it justice. But um, but I feel like there has to be some some sort of medium in between uh, of actually going in there or just looking at the the variety of pictures that are out there and most of them you know are archive images from disney uh, since Mm -hmm. they're very strict about photography when you're actually up there yes they are yeah okay i think we have time for one more question so i'm gonna let you choose it especially since it's your turn oh thank you all right well i okay this is just a fun one um because there's so many other good ones in here but uh to both of you michael and craig what is the uh, this is from doug what is the one thing you would recommend doing on an anniversary trip with your wife to disneyland thanks so much guys i have a feeling uh doug might have a reason for this (laughs) so i thought okay let's let's help doug out here so craig it's your anniversary you're taking kylie to disneyland what's the one thing you would do Mm, that is that's a tough one um just because for me it's i would have to overcome what i i don't want to say it in that way but i'd have to overcome what i think is special about disneyland and focus on what what her enjoyment would be in it because you know i I'm the type of person that I would say, well, you know, you have to, you have to try to get chef's table at, at Napa Rose uh, mm-hmm. at night for the perfect meal. That is the the best way to do it, and you have to you have to eat at this place, and you have to see the fireworks from this vantage point, and that's you know that's that's the type of person I am, and I. I've only been lucky enough to travel to Disneyland a couple times with Kylie. And, you know, usually when I try to do things like that while we have a good time, it's it's not it's never as special as you want it to be. Um, so the one thing I recommend doing on a, a special trip like that is being spontaneous, just letting letting the day happen and seeing where it goes. Um if it's an anniversary trip, uh, chances are if you're taking that trip, you're still in love with each other and you still enjoy being around each other. So uh, unless you're the type of people who fight constantly because neither one of them wants to make a decision, um, you're going to <laughs> you're going to enjoy each other's time together and it's going to the day is going to unfold naturally. Um, you know, for for Kylie and I, of course, there's there's things that would definitely take it to the next level like we'd have to we'd have to ride on the carousel and try to get her on jingles uh and you know so like that's one of them if it was it if it was at the holiday time uh it's she loves nightmare before christmas so we'd have to throw in uh haunted mansion holiday so there's there's always there's always little bits and moments but uh the, the main thing i would say is just um, it's it, Disneyland is such a romantic place as a whole that uh, it's it, it just find find those quiet areas 
where you can feel immersed in the park, but just be with be with your significant other because that's that's why why you would be going there in the first place. So that's that's kind of how how my days go. Spontaneous but enjoying our time together. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That's very lovely. Oh, thank so, you. I would say if you can swing it, book a room at either the Disneyland Hotel or the Grand Californian and enjoy what the resort has to offer. Uh, just again, just uh, sort of in the same vein of what Craig is saying. Just um, you know, in tr- the, the the hotels has they they both have beautiful grounds. Um, you know, in, enjoy the pools. Check out what's going on. The, the, both the, the hotels offer a lot of activities like tours and and different things. And even if you're staying at the Design Hotel, you can still enjoy the tours and things at the Grand Californian. Um, Check out the restaurants. Go to the spa, maybe. Uh, but just relax and um, have a good time at the at one of those two beautiful um, hotels. Maybe enjoy room service. Yeah. You know, um, and, and 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 just you know enjoy some um, you know some wonderful time in in your room. Yeah. The rooms are gorgeous. So. I agree with that. Another thing I would say mm-hmm. too, and I, Doug didn't put this in, so I and I don't believe I know Doug personally, so I'm sorry if we've met before and I'm forgetting you. But uh, it's with this for me, the first time you go to a place, you just you have these memories that they're they're never going to change. It's your first time there; it's instilled. Um, and if that if Doug's first time has never been to Disneyland before, and his this anniversary trip, uh, or our hypothetical one, if that's the first time, spend so much time just finding, just finding a way to keep track of these memories because they're not going to be easy to forget, but uh, they can they can there can be ways to keep them uh burning inside of you and uh and if you've had trips before and so this is just another random trip the big thing is try to make new memories don't don't try to relive old ones so usually for me when you try to relive old memories that's that's when things don't always work as well sometimes it can be very romantic and and work out perfectly and you can relive being in that one spot at that one time but you know other times it's it can be a letdown like when you say oh remember the last time we ate here we loved it and then you go back and find out that the quality's gone downhill and it just kind of leaves a sour taste so always always work on creating new memories in these mm-hmm. moments too where regardless if you're in the parks or like you said just at the resorts because that's I, I I think a lot of us who love Disneyland also could say that I could make a vacation of it without going in the parks at all and just staying hanging out at the resorts so they're oh, yeah. so beautiful definitely definitely and and people do that have, most definitely if I was a local I would I would try to do that as much as possible it's the same way I try to do it here every now and then just have a little staycation where you stay away from the parks and hang out in a resort. Mm-hmm. Well, excellent questions, and I'm sorry we could not get to all of them, but we will. You know, we will have another Q and A coming up. Yes. So, um, 
Anyway, well, at this point in the show, you'd expect to hear our This Week in Disney History quiz. However, since, the, as we mentioned, the original plan was not to have this show this week, and because Craig and I had planned back-to-back vacations, we didn't have the time to make the necessary arrangements for the quiz, but it will be back next time. Uh, just to let you know, I will be at the Walt Disney Family Museum on Saturday, July 7th for the talk by Disney animator John Pomeroy titled Walt's Imagination. So if you are there, please be sure to say hello. So, Craig, until next time, where can our listeners connect with you on the Diz Unplugged? As always, Tuesdays on the Walt Disney World Edition podcast, Thursdays on the Universal Edition podcast, Wednesdays on the Best and Worst of Walt Disney World, Random Days on the Diz Daily Fix, uh, Fridays on Connecting with Walt, and um, and then Twitter and Instagram at Telecluster. Mm-hmm. And you can send me messages at Michael at WDWinfo.com, on Twitter at Michael Bowling121, Facebook, Michael Bowling with the Connecting with Walt banner, um, Instagram, Michael Bowling the Diz. And you can connect with me and Craig on Twitter on our official Connecting with Walt Twitter page at Connecting Walt. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studios, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disunplugged.com and look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. (laughs) 